Good evening, everybody. Thanks for joining us here at uh, Liberty Lake Church. And uh, although you're not here, we are. And so we're going to just call that a, a win that <laughs> we're all here. So um, thanks for joining us this evening on, on Wednesday night. And uh, very excited to have Stefan here again with me uh, tonight. Got a couple of announcements. We just want to keep you up to speed on things. Um, we want everybody to know we are open on Sundays and our normal service is starting at 10 o'clock. Please. Uh, you know, if if you're not worried about uh, any medical issues, if, if you're concerned about um, your own health or anything like that, feel free to stay home and continue to take advantage of our online services. That's going to happen. But if you're not worried about that, if you're ready to fellowship and you've got um, willing to come and hang out with us here, we've we've made some extra space and we've got some room for, for you to spread out and uh, to interact very, care- very, I think, in a pretty decent manner. Yeah. Um, Stefan, you and your family used downstairs one time and actually tried yeah. out the fireside room and it worked well and actually worked nice. and the kids could play a little bit and <laughs> yeah, I thought it, I thought that yeah. that part went really, really well. So, um, the other announcement is we are working to get life groups up and running. So as you think through, uh, what your week looks like, would you be praying about where and when you would be joining a life group? Some of you have already been in life groups. And so, uh, again, want to encourage you to, uh, reach out to your life group leaders. We're talking with them, and, and Lord willing, as we move forward in the next week or two, um, they'll be starting to reach out to people, and, and we want to get our life groups up and going and start building relationship there again. One of the things that we're learning, though, is that not everybody is getting all of our communication online uh, in, in via email and those things. So if you know somebody in the church, if you're connected with them, would you just reach out to them, make sure that they know what we're doing? And if they already know, then then it's just an excuse to call them and check in on them. Uh, but that would be awesome if you would do that. Um, it's kind of sad news, in a, in a sense. The the last uh, uh, announcement that we have that we're actually going to take a break and we're we're going to be shutting down Wednesday night at yeah. the in, end of James here. So July fifteenth will be our last one, at least through the summer. You think uh, we can get to the end of James by the fifteenth? I'm hoping we can. I I, I really am hoping we can. Um, I almost need a break just because of James. Like, <laughs> part of me I know feels he's been like, like batting us <laughs> backwards and yeah, forwards. It's really felt yeah. like that. So anyway, so that those are the key things that are happening. Um, Wednesday nights, we're going to be closing it down uh, during the summer, giving everybody a break, and uh, the last one will be July fifteenth. Um, so uh, with all that said, tonight uh, Stefan's here with me, and we're going to be going after James chapter four. We're going to be finishing up chapter four, yeah. and in a pretty, if the Lord wills, if, right? That's right, if, if the Lord <laughs> wills. Yeah, if, if he wills that we actually get through all this. Yeah. In, in typical fashion, James is very, very kind, very soft-spoken, um, uh, very ambiguity, uh, lots of ambiguity, uh, ambu- what am I trying to say? I'm ambiguity. Messing. Ambiguity, thank yeah. you. Um, with how he's addressing the church here, he's just oh, kind of yeah. eases into it, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of those nights again. <laughs> and... Uh, so we're going to read the text and, and ask you to join us. Open your Bibles, if you would. We're going to read James chapter 4, verses 13 uh, through 17. And I'll read this one. And uh, I'm going to ha- uh, actually, Stefan, I'm going to have you get ready to read Psalms 39, 1 through 6. And hopefully our IT guys will catch that we added that one. And they'll catch up to us by the time we get there. So All right, I'm going to read James chapter 4, starting in verse 13. And it says this. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? 
For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. And it is, uh, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Okay, so I was wrong about him being really, uh, really soft and 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 uh, nice with yeah. his address there. It, yep. it was pretty straightforward, right in your face again. Uh, he starts off with them making plans, and mm-hmm. you know it's funny. All the times that I've read this and everything that I've gone through, what I missed in that first in the first time reading through that was they had a whole plan for their for a year. They're like, we're gonna go do this for a year, and we're gonna make money, like. He was accusing them of of really making plans to profit and and all this just running their life without God involved. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how much they are like us. I mean, yes, we have our five year plans, right? Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> our lifelong goal plans. We just yep. set one up with a retirement person for like fifteen, twenty years out. Yeah. Well, you think about it too, like. What about debt and incurring debt when it comes to car payments and that kind of stuff? We step into a plan. Yep. Yeah, in we that do. that way, too. I'm not sure if I like you meddling. <laughs> that's that's just not... I, I normally meddle. Well... But you're right. It's convicting to me because <laughs> I just bought my wife a new car. Right. And, and I didn't <laughs> buy it outright, so... Yeah, I know. I we Sally and I bought our, our first new car, and, and we're paying for it. Yeah. Literally, literally, <laughs> and uh, and figuratively, and figuratively, and it is. It it's truly amazing how quickly, how um, just nonchalantly we go and make plans and do stuff without really stopping to say, God, is is this yours? Would this be what you would mm-hmm. want us to do? In fact, oftentimes it 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 doesn't happen until I'm in a real stressful situation or until things aren't going well that I'm like, uh, hey, Lord. <laughs> Got a minute? Because I'd sure love to have your opinion here. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting. the The phrase that grabbed me as I was uh, putting all this together was that statement he, that he said, "What is your life?" And I've been wrestling with that as I've thought about this this week. Is when we think about making our plans and, and putting all of our time together and having the the financial strategy and uh, the you know marriage and kids and all the stuff that we're doing uh, as we plan. The, the, his question to them is very poignant. It, it's like it, it goes right to the heart of the issue. What is your life? Mm-hmm. What what is the value of it? What's the length of it? What's the uh, what sustains? I mean, it it like encompasses all of that scope in that one question. Yeah. And wh- what do you what do you know about your life? Because that's <laughs> right. that's the next right. question. It's like, yeah. Do you do you have any grasp on what's going to happen? Tomorrow, yeah. Not only tomorrow, but the past and the pre- It's like we can't even get ourselves straight in the now, you know, and control ourselves. Right. How 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 are we to know what's going to happen tomorrow? And and <laughs> I, we really do think pretty highly of ourselves as humans. I mean, we do, and I think as Christians we do that as well. And and we really, as James challenges the believers here, we really take for granted. Our daily breath, which is why um, I've actually changed Psalms, and I apologize to our IT crew because um, I'm going to drop Psalms 102. You might want to write that down if you're taking notes. Write that down and and, and check that out because it, it's a great text to look at. 
but Stefan came in with another verse that I thought was even better than that, and, and it, it just describes what James is dealing with with the people and, and addressing in the church here so incredibly well. So, uh, Stefan, would you read that Psalms 39, mm-hmm. uh, verses 1 through 6? And you're reading out of the NAS. Yep, NASB. and I think you're going to see it in the ESV on our on our screen here. But just interpolate, read along with us. Psalm 39, verses one through six. All right. For the choir director for Jeduthun, the Psalm of David, I said, "I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth as with a muzzle, while the wicked are in my presence. I was mute and silent. I refrained even from good, and my sorrow grew worse. My heart was hot within me." While I was musing, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. Lord, make me to know my end and what is the extent of my days. Let me know how transient I am. Behold, you have made my days as hand breaths and my lifetime as nothing in your sight. Surely every man at his best is a mere breath. Surely every man walks about as a phantom. Surely they make up, make an uproar, uproar for nothing. He amasses riches and does not know who will gather them. Oh, see, and I, I shorted them. I gave them one through six, and we went one through seven. Mine's one know. through six. Really? Yeah. Ah, look at that. <laughs> That's just awesome. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? So a hand breadth. The width of your hand. Not very long, is it? It's not, No. It's not long at all, especially in when you start comparing it to what we see in the world around us, what everything else that God created. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love you. You and I were talking about it in the back and how James is using mist as like as he's thinking about this. Uh, it, it's the mist. <laughs> I guess I don't know if this would be appropriate, but it, it's kind of like the sneeze or the cough. You know, if you're spraying COVID everywhere, um, <laughs> that would be the mist. And yeah, and it doesn't last what is the time. Yeah, that, that one lasts or something. Uh, yeah, that one will last no. a couple of days or something. Um, but in reality, mist it's it's we we it's in- interesting because it's the the process, it's the uh, the gas gas form of water that comes from being the liquid mm-hmm. form in in being uh, um, evaporated out. Yeah, and it just it goes away. It's just gone quickly. Yeah. It's there for a moment that, and the then gone. The term here is actually atmos, which is where we get our word atmosphere. Yeah. You know, it's it's CO2 and <laughs> nitrogen, oxygen. It, oh, wow. And it there's water in it, and it is constantly being replenished by, you know, the Earth's resources. Right, So it's, right. Not, it's not something that comes and stays. It, it goes away very fast. Yep. But I'll be honest with you. Um, 35 years ago, I had a lot less appreciation for this text um and i i know now at nearly 50 years old that i am uh, by the assessment of some people i'm still just a young boy and i i'm 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 not all that old but i can tell you today that life goes by so much faster now than it ever did when i was younger i i look back at my life and i remember things that were 15 and 20 plus years ago now as if they were just yesterday mm-hmm. it feels like it was just a moment ago um and, and it's an amazing reality when you begin to look at life and you begin to understand what god 
uh, and what what uh, James is trying to teach the church here. Who are we? What is our life? It is in in, com- in the comparison of eternity. It is just a moment, mm-hmm. and yet we're going to run around with arrogance and 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 ignore the will of God and do whatever you know, make our plans. And and I th- I think James is is on to something here. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think <clears throat> that first the first part the you know verse thirteen and fourteen it's it is it's still about our relationship with God like we talked about last time I was here you know yep and yep that being pride it, it can't exist in our relationship with God right and hmm. if we make plans without recognition of God and His will and His plans then pride obviously exists in that relationship. Oh yeah 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 that's you know? that's the evidence of the fact that we are yeah. prideful. Yeah. Right. Right. And I mean if you <clears throat> if you take that back just a few a few verses James says God is opposed to the proud. Yeah. Opposed <laughs> the proud gets so, grace. So we humble. know where he's leading with this. Yep. It's like yep. If this is who you are as a vapor as something that that should be humble, that has no reason to be proud. Right. And this is what you're doing. Yep. The result is going to be God resisting you, you know, yep. opposing you. And the actual, the actual word there, if I can find it here, um, for God opposing us is antitasso. And it, it's another battle term that we found in some of the previous texts. Right. And... It means to set up a battle array, like to set himself against, um, to establish himself against something. And that's, that's what pride does in our lives with God. I mean, it just puts a wall between him and us. Right, and it, it kind of takes us back to that um, where if we're friends with the world, we, we make ourselves enemies of God. We put ourselves in the opposing camp yeah. of his strategy. There's and, only two camps. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Well, it, it, isn't it crazy that humility, uh, we'll, I think we'll close with this as we go forward, but humility is really the key to this. Because if you, when you go back and you start in chapter 4 of James, he, he gets in and he goes, the reason there's quarreling and fights among you is because of your selfishness, because of your idolatry, mm-hmm. and because you don't get what you want, you murder. It, it, it's all of the selfishness, the self-worship, the idolatry of the heart of and again, it's the church. This isn't the world. He's not convicting the world of this. He's saying, "Look, church, this is you." Yeah. Um, and so I think when it comes, when he actually makes the statement, what you should say is, "If the Lord wills, I'm surrendering to the will of God." Who else did that? Jesus. Right. He goes, "Not my will, but yeah. yours be done." Jesus surrenders to the will of God, and it cost him his life. Yeah. And um, he even asked him. Lord, is this your will? Right. Like, <laughs> if there's any other way, hey, I mean, plan he B, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Man. It's crazy, but it's it's really true. And I love the Hebrews because Hebrews says he was heard because of the reverent, the reverence of his prayer, mm-hmm. and yet he still learned obedience through his suffering. God still sent him to fulfill what he'd called him to do, and Jesus did it. I think we see this in Romans chapter 12. Let me read that real quick. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says this, I appeal to you, therefore, uh, brothers, by the mercy of God, mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Mm-hmm. Right here in this text, you actually have the whole process of humility, humbling yourself, making yourself a living sacrifice, putting yourself on the, the, the altar and saying, God, you use me as you will. I'm yours. We have the idea of not being conformed to the world, not following their patterns. And if there was ever an arrogance, there was ever a time where where arrogance and selfishness and pride was present in our culture. I mean, you see it today mm-hmm. um, in in sports, in politics, in in just daily living. People people fighting <laughs> in driving. Look <laughs> at the way people drive; it's ridiculous. And, and yet, look at what they drive. And look at what they drive. Absolutely. <laughs> and and yet he says at the end here, this is how you test to discern what the will of God is. By the renewing of your mind, by letting the word of God change how we think about things. Mm-hmm. What, a, what an amazing reality that that is in how we address the king, how we come and look at our lives and, and assess who we are in the kingdom. What is your life? If it's not his, well, and that's why, that's why it behooves us to press into him, and and to know him because he will show us what our lives are. Yeah, you know, and Absolutely. our and that fulfillment is ultimately him. Yeah, <laughs> is, he breathed into us. <clears throat> Hopefully, the breath coming out of us is his. Right. You know, you know, I, I think that's interesting too because we. In the beginning, God breathes into man, and and Adam falls, and what that must have looked like, his intellect, his spirit, his soul, I think it was very powerful. I think he was, he was a sight to behold. Yeah, you know? oh, absolutely. And uh, how that changed him, I, I have no idea, but he probably looked more like us. And maybe he was a little bit more dull-witted like me, <laughs> but but we're told later on that huh. that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. Yeah, yeah. And is it is it his breath that we're breathing and breathing out, breathing in and breathing mm. out, or is it God's? Right. You know. Yeah, because you you really only get to be in one of the other camps. We we even saw it on Sunday, right? Uh, when Jesus was addressing the Pharisees and said, you're following your father, Satan. He, they were like, no, our father's Abraham. And, he, and he's like, no, you're shooting way too low. It's a supernatural issue. It's either you're, either God's your father or Satan's your father. And because of your behavior, I know you're following your father, Satan. Mm-hmm. What an inc- I mean, that, that's, it's a similar indictment, really. Yeah, if, just if different look terminology at, here. Absolutely. <laughs> it is. It's a similar indictment. The arrogance and the, the boasting of the heart um, and, and how often do we make our plans with the arrogance of our own lives? How often do we do we set out and just say, you know what, I'm going to go do all these things. This is how I'm going to be successful. This is this is what I'm going to do this day and this day and this day. And I, I see now. I use this to tease my bride just a little bit because my bride's a planner. <laughs> my br- my bride is an organizer and a planner. She was sitting down in my office today, going, "All right, we need to figure out this calendar." And she's all the way out to August, asking me questions about what I want to do in August. Now, I got to tell you, I need that. Like, right. she is a gift to me. <laughs> um, and, and, and although there's times where, where we have a hard time communicating, we, we find ourselves 
entering into that that what did you, you called it a battle zone or um, whatever that was it, it's, it's such a great illustration because it really is where there's great spiritual warfare and there's there's a great process of us dying to ourselves and learning all those things but here she is planning out so I'll tease her every now and be like hey you're not you're not being very much like Jesus we should only worry about tomorrow well that's not what he's saying in this because mm-hmm. we have others other text that says that you know wisdom is found in the in the in a multitude of counsel and so it's not about not planning it's it's about not being arrogant and prideful and boastful in our planning not thinking that we somehow are making the plan mm-hmm. and causing the results to be what they are mm-hmm. yeah i mean from if you look at this life as a as a play you know there there's one playwright that is god yeah and we all have these roles that he's given us. And how, how boastful would it be if one of the actors in the play you know, decided to write their own script, maybe change a couple characters, um, you know, make, yeah. put the spotlight on them, make the focus about them. Right. It wouldn't be a good play. <laughs> one of those awkward <laughs> moments when if, if like the tree came out and started singing a solo right next to the person that was supposed to sing the solo <laughs> it would be chaos <laughs> and, and and that's what that's mm. what satan's trying to make chaos he's trying to muddy the waters and isn't know. it isn't it interesting that jesus spoke of this in, in luke chapter 12 um you want to you want to pull up luke chapter 12 and read that one for me mm-hmm. uh, luke chapter 12 verses 13 through 20 it's just interesting to me that and you mentioned this earlier that this book of james is probably one of the earliest um epistles that we have or, or you know writer writing of the new testament um from one of the disciples and it's addressing all of these things like it's hitting the church which we keep looking at this going man it's like he's writing about us it's like he's writing about the current church today and yet here jesus speaks specifically to this issue of of boasting and arrogance in in this process let's let's look right. at what what he says what uh, luke chapter 12 Verse 13. Verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter over you? Then he said to them, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when you, when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you have prepared. So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Again, it's not wrong to plan ahead. It's not, it's not wrong to, to have investments and, and to do those things to make plans. The point in this is his confidence, mm-hmm. his hope, his, he thought he was providing for his future. He thought his security rested in him in the earthly possessions it wasn't in the heavenly possessions it wasn't in god yeah and the dialogue is with his soul you know him and his soul 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's talking to himself. Hey, brothers and sisters, if you find yourself talking to yourself, call for help. <laughs> it's probably a good idea. Yeah. At least um, go and talk to somebody else. I think I think I talk to myself quite frequently, so I, <laughs> I, probably I should do. probably call for help. We should probably call. I think that's why he gave this to the church, is so that when we do start talking to ourselves, we can actually talk to somebody else, and they can, like, no, you don't want to do that. That's crazy. Don't don't go there. But isn't that crazy? Isn't that interesting that Jesus addresses this issue because the arrogance of the heart of man is that we actually control and hold our future. We we are actually capable of of establishing what the outcome of tomorrow is. What is it that poem Invictus that says, "I'm the master of my fate. I'm the captain of my soul." Have you oh, heard that? Oh yeah 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 yeah. And that's a very humanistic very much so. thought. Very much so. That's the world around us. Yeah, and we see that in the culture, right? Um, you know, be be whatever you want. You know, make yourself into whatever you want. Um, if you believe a, about things, you can you can accomplish anything. And it's it sounds wonderful. It, it's just missing the fact that they've completely excluded God from what He designed uh, in the relationship between man and Him. Mm-hmm. Which, again, and we were talking about this earlier, too. We shouldn't be mad at the world for living that way. Mm-mm. It shouldn't shock us that, that, the, that the world lives that way. The, the only shock in this should be when we see ourselves living like this. That's, that's when it should really startle us, is when we begin to see that we're actually living our lives excluding God from the relationship and the intimacy and the connectedness that he's actually called us into. Yeah. Well, and there's two, there's two options. Either we're ignorant or we're, we're blatantly contrary, opposed to God and his will. Rebellious? Oh, that's a great word. <laughs> Rebellious. We know how that goes in the Bible. Yeah, and obviously the world is ignorant. Yeah. I mean, there is general uh, revelation. They mm-hmm. shouldn't be ignorant of God and about his existence, which right. should lead them into a relationship with him. Yep. So they are under condemnation, a certain you know amount of condemnation. Right, being, right. <laughs> We are under a condemnation as well. Yep. You know, and that we have this knowledge. We know what good is. What does that that's condemnation gonna, uh, look like? Well, we're actually going to look at that a little bit tonight because that's what's interesting is how that led us to that conversation as the as we were wrestling with this text that we're going to end up looking at a couple passages real quick that actually address that. Um, I think it's interesting. Uh, let me let me read for you First Corinthians five, um, six through eight. Uh, Paul Paul is addressing the the pride of life, and um, in my notes I have down that all such boasting is evil because that's what that's what God is is uh, or what James is saying. But First Corinthians uh, five, starting in verse six, says this: Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And what's so crazy about that passage is he begins off by saying, you in the church are committing such adultery that even the pagans won't do. The church is engaged in sexual immorality that even the pagans, the Gentiles say, that's not right. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't touch that. That's what Paul's addressing right there. And he's saying that they're boasting about it. 
They have pride and they're arrogant in their approach to God about this sin as if somehow they're not going to be judged because they're the church. Did they say a prayer back then? I don't know if they said a prayer back then. I know, I know that's our thing. Somehow people are in because they said a prayer, but that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Even the world wouldn't do the sin that they were doing in the church, and they were arrogant about it. What a, what a terrifying condition to be in when we're seeing the Word of God and we're rejecting that. Let, let's take a minute. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just, just going to say that, you know, the last verse, I know we'll talk about it in more detail, but us being... Um, we are convicted of our sin in the good that we don't do, not just in the bad that we do. Right. You know. And, right. And that's kind of the point of that. It's like, <laughs> oh, interesting. Because I just grabbed me as you were saying that. Remember what James started all of this off with, as, as he starts arguing the fact of show me your faith um, without works, and I'll show you my faith with the things that I do. He's mm-hmm. accusing them of claiming to have faith, but having no life to follow it up. And mm-hmm. here he's saying again, if you know what to do and you don't do it, it's sin. Mm-hmm. So that's exact. I mean, I, I think that's a key part of what he's actually trying to say in that in the earlier passages. I'll show you faith with works. Instead of looking at our lives like you just said and saying, "Well, here's all the don't the do's I can't I don't do this I don't do that I don't do this I don't do that," James is going, "Yeah, but are you doing the things that you know are good? Are you doing the things that you know you're supposed to be doing?" Well, ooh man, this is gonna stink, you guys. Because <laughs> because what if we were talking about what that word good means and how it's more than just doing something that's not sin. Mm-hmm. And so imagine if the loving others in the great commandment was one of the things that are good that the church is supposed to be doing, but you could walk out of the church, not be hateful, not be spiteful, but just ignore people, just just go and live your own life somewhere privately or only s- focus on a select few and not actually love the ch- the body, not love the people with your that you're with. Yeah. That could be it, you know, it may not be a sin issue in the sense that you're you're actually harming someone or you're actually uh, gossiping or talking maliciously or being divisive. When I, in the last days, we're told that the church, the love of the love of many, will grow cold. Not necessarily the church, but that's. I think the church will experience that as well in its numbers, yeah. and and I, and that is that act of hmm. of not doing the good. Yeah, you know, your love growing cold and wow yeah that'd be that'd be an easy one to skip (laughs) that'd be an easy one to read the text and go yeah i don't need to worry about that one somebody else will get to it. we talked to a little about a little bit about the word for good there not being just simply morally good but it's right it's translated beautiful or excellent yeah you know uh of, of things referring to what the eye can see and behold Right, right. You know, um, uh, things that you, know, you just think about your relationships and giving a gift to somebody. If if you know that they're in need, and that would be a blessing to them, that would be categorized into that term. Callous. Yeah. Good. Huh. You know. 
if it's that in your leaves power. the door wide open and, and it actually it makes it it's interesting because it actually makes it more challenging for us as believers because if we just have a list of don'ts then we don't really have to spend all that much time thinking about what the rest of our life is because if mm-hmm. if i can if i can make sure and maybe that's why legalism is such a popular thing because if I can make sure that I don't do these things, then it lets me off the hook, and I, I don't have to focus the rest of my life on trying to figure out what God wants and, and exercising His will and being in submission and, and really living that way. But if I'm asking the question, what is the good that I know? Hmm. What is it that God's called me to do? In fact, that's, that's, the, that's one of my questions in the text, is what do you know is right? What do you know is good? What do we have from Scripture that we know is good that we're called to do yeah, as it, a disciple? It, it, it's a command almost. It requires you to go out and search and look and, and you know think about yourself and what you know to be good. I mean, he's given us his spirit. It should be able to, to discern, and more and more as we mature, but discern between good and evil Yeah, and, and, and what a good life looks like. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? You had mentioned it just a little bit earlier, and I want to I want to jump onto this that that there is accountability for the, for us that know what is good, and we don't do it. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think it's interesting if we go into the text. Um, I don't particularly like this. Um, in fact, I was joking about how we just need to stop all teaching from this point on, so that nobody else is accountable for anything else other than what they already know, um, which is not a not a good joke. Not 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 a good one, but um, look at what uh, Luke chapter 12, we're in, in Luke again, Luke chapter 12, uh, starting in verse, uh, let's see, 47. Um, and this is a parable, and um, it's the, it, he's wrapping up um, a parable of him giving, what does he give him? He gives him responsibility i believe he gives him responsibility to care for for his household um Mm -hmm. and so he shows back up and luke chapter 7 or chapter 12 verse 47 and the servant uh who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating but the one who did not know and did what was what deserved a beating will receive a light beating everyone to whom much was given of him much will be required, and from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. It seems like there's there's an accountability for what we know, and the more we know, the more accountable we are. The, the greater the expectation is yeah. that we live in light of that knowledge, in light of that truth. Yeah. Thank God that there is that, that gradation, because as a, as a as a young believer, you come into the faith, or maybe somebody who's autistic or, or something, mm-hmm. you know, they can't grasp some of these difficult concepts, yep. uh, or they just don't know them. Uh, God is, is a good God. He's, he's gracious to us yeah. and, and knows what we know yep. and what we don't know. Yep. And he takes that into consideration. I think it's amazing because... Um, Many, I, not a lot of people know this, but I, you know, my last official school grade was fifth grade um, when I was in public school. Um, did some homeschooling after that, um, and then I went back to college and got my GED. So I, I don't have a high school diploma, but one of the things that I really struggle with is grammar and English, and and just writing and doing that kind of stuff. And 
even speaking, obviously, I tried to say ambigu- ambiguity, and I'm like, <laughs> and so I don't even speak it well, let alone write it well. Um, and God has a sense of humor to say, hey, you know what I'm going to use you for? You have to get up in front of people and teach a Bible that was written in a totally different language. Oh, and by the way, get it right, because there's a great accountability for you teaching this stuff. I'm like, huh, I want to apply for a different job. <laughs> But that brought you into a relationship with him that you wouldn't otherwise have. Absolutely. You know, into a knowledge. My that, dependence and, yeah. is desperate in him showing up and making anything good happen out of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't be there on my own. Um, and, and, and it's an amazing reality that God would use fishermen and tax collectors and, and all of, those, all of the, the, the goofballs that he pulled in uh, to go to the Jews, and then he grabbed Paul, the great Pharisee, and sent him to the Gentiles. I mean, we, we wouldn't do it that way. Mm-mm. But God in his mercy, God in his sovereignty, uh, has set all this up for us to understand who we are in his kingdom and who he is. His sovereignty, his goodness, his holiness, his uh, all-knowing, all-powerful, his omniscience and everything. Mm-hmm. And we can trust him. Even if we can't see the results, we can trust him. Yeah. And that should be that should be the pinnacle of our life. Lord, if you will, if it's your will, I'm going to go do this. God, how about this? God, tell me what your will is. Yeah, what is Let your will? Let me know. Yeah. I'm interested. That's and that's the point of all this. It's like okay, recognize you don't know what yeah. you think you know. <laughs> right. Right? <laughs> recognize that that your life will come and it will go and people will forget you ever existed. Yeah. You know. Recognize your place, yeah, and then recognize God's, you know, and and hopefully that brings you into a humility before Him, mm. you know. Ryan, I'm gonna the s- whole point being to know Him. Yeah, Ryan, I'm gonna switch something up on you here, bud. Um, sorry, I'm talking to my IT guy. He's back here making all of this work. Can you can you grab Psalm 51 for us? Um. And we're going to read most of it tonight. Um, one of the things that Stefan and I were wrestling with in the back, you guys, was just this whole idea of accountability. If God really holds us accountable for what we know, if God looks at this stuff, I mean, I just was reading in Second uh, Peter 2.21, I think, um, where, where he says that it, it would be better for a person to have never known the truth of the grace of God than for the person that knows it and then walks away and rejects it. And and I don't even know what that means. I mean, I don't know how, okay, there's something worse for you. You know what I mean? It's like, if you don't know him and you reject him, it means you're going to go to hell. And and Second Peter's saying that it'd be better for you to have, to do that than to have known the grace and reject it. And anyway, it, it's a profound reality. Um, but we were wrestling in the back going, okay, so God, what do we do with this then? Because it, it's not like, um, it's not like we, we want to just go and exercise 1 John 1, 9. Oh, Lord, forgive me. You know, I did it again. Oops, oops, oops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the, the the honest preacher I was talking about on Sunday, you know, he, he's like, every day they come into my office and like, oops, I messed up. And, and it's not, that's not the heart that we want to live. Um, and as we were tired in the back, it, it just became evident that it, this is really a posture of humility. And, and how do we focus? How do we get our hearts there? 
And as we were talking, Psalm 51 jumped in, come, came into our conversation, mm-hmm. and it's the Psalm of David. It's the Psalm of his, his repentance and confession and, and worship after the sin of Bathsheba, after the murder of, and I remind me of her husband's name. Uh, oh. oh, crud, I can't remember it. Now I'm drawing a blank. Yeah. Bathsheba's husband. And uh, and he intentionally murdered him. I mean, he he premeditated that and killed him, all to cover up his sin. Mm-hmm. And then Nathan comes and confronts him. And this is the text. And we're gonna we're gonna wrap up on this because I think as we talked about how to deal with the pride, the arrogance of the heart, how to deal with um, the the unwillingness to live a surrendered life to a holy God because we think we're so much. And then to deal with the fact that if we know to do good and we don't do it, it's sin. What's our posture? What do we do? And I think David really wraps it up in the text. So mm-hmm. grab your Bibles and, and turn to Psalm 51 and follow along with me. This is uh, Psalm 51. To the choir master, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone uh, into Bathsheba. Psalm 51, verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from the blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice of God, the sacrifices, excuse me, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you do not despise. Do good in Zion in your good pleasure, build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in the right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. King David sure seemed to understand the the significance of his sin, mm-hmm. the 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 devastation that it did in his relationship, but also the righteousness and the justice of God that he deserved because of who he was, and he falls on his mercy. He falls on the grace of God, and recognizes. I love verse seventeen. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. And that's that picture of humility again, of coming and knowing who he is, seeking him and recognizing who we are. Mm-hmm. We were talking about this in the back. This is not a depressing book. 
Well, it seems that way on the, it on feel, the surface. Yeah, right. It does, yeah. doesn't it? It's like, ha, it's, <laughs> I've, it's like every time I read this, I'm getting stabbed in the heart going, Lord, ah, I don't want to be that guy. But yeah. the point is. It's getting us to engage. <laughs> in the relationship. Yeah. We are those. I am that guy. Yeah. Ex- and, and except for Christ. There is a reality. There's yeah. a reality of our sin. There's a reality of God's righteousness. Yep. And if we don't recognize those realities, we can't have a relationship with him. Right, because we, we then we him. won't know Jesus. We won't know the need for Jesus. We won't understand the gospel. Mm-hmm. And that's what this has all been about, is recognizing the, the truth of the gospel. Yep. And then how does, how does that affect our lives? Right. How do we live it out after that? Well, and, and what a profound moment for James to actually say, listen, you guys, in the arrogance of your heart, you're rejecting the counsel of God. So we see everything from the very, very beginning of, of count it all joy when you face various trials, ask for wisdom when you don't have it, believe without doubting. He, he goes into, uh, into, the, into the, the battle on, on, you know, show your faith by your works, not just by your words. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. Mm-hmm. Uh, why, is there, why are there quarrels and conflicts? It's because you're selfish and you're, you're idolaters and murders. I mean, he's building this whole thing up, mm-hmm. pointing out to the believers that this is the evidence that you're not actually walking with the Lord, but rather you're walking in the arrogance of your own pride and, 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 and idolatry of your heart. And, and that's the struggle for each and every one of us. It, it's not about the church. <laughs> it's not about this big yeah. body of believers. Yeah. It, we can't put the blame and us falling short on some corporation. It, right. It, it comes down to each one of our hearts yeah. and how we humble ourselves before God and what our understanding of our sin is. Absolutely. And is it true? <laughs> is it what God, how God sees us? Yeah. Our view of ourselves should be God's view of ourselves. Right. Right. And our view of God should be God's view of God. Yeah. The truth, the real, the reality mm-hmm. of who He is. Yeah. Well, I guess the question that we should wrap this up with—the same question you have been wrestled with—what is our life? Uh, and, and is this us? Uh, it's part of what we've been trying to wrestle through, James. As I've been going through the text, going, yeah. God, is this me? Am I the one living this way? And I, I want to challenge all of you, along with Stefan and I, ask that question. God, is this me? Are you speaking to me in James this week? Is this something that I'm doing that you would call me out of? And, and, and to respond to that, to the presence of the Lord, respond to the conviction of God in your life, as both Stefan and I have been trying to do as we've been going through this. And, and Ben will be here next week struggling the same way, <laughs> doing, doing it again, because... It really is a struggle, and it's a conviction when we see this reality in our hearts. So um, I just want to challenge you to ask that question. Go to the Lord even tonight and say, Lord, is this me? Am I living a life in arrogance and and outside of the need for your will, the need for the knowledge of you, the need for your presence? And um, if you see it, go and read Psalm 51 again and and pray that prayer, David, and and let God come in and, and, and... purify your sins, wash your white as snow, and, and reset your focus and your heart on him. So God bless you guys. Have a great evening, and we'll see you on Sunday at 10 in the morning. Bye.